As you turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12 this morning within God's Word, Genesis chapter 12 this morning within God's Word, uh, we go to another mountain. We go to another mountain here at Lakeside. I'm going to take you to different mountains Sunday by Sunday. I'm taking you to different mountains. Becky remembers very well the first time we drove in the mountains. I'm not talking about the Smoky Mountains. I'm talking about the Rocky Mountains. The very first time I had just purchased a new car for us, it wasn't brand new. No, it, it was one of my dad's deals. I said it was one of my dad's deals. My dad at that time in his life only dealt in rebuilt cars, cars that had been totaled, cars that had been in accidents and then rebuilt. And you never, ever knew what you would, it was like, you know, Cracker Jacks that had a surprise inside. You never knew what surprise you would run into. And uh, for us, it was a new car. It was used, but uh, it was a beautiful Buick Skyhawk. Anybody remember the Buick Skyhawks? And Becky and I got into the Rocky Mountains and all of a sudden, I saw that temperature gauge on that Buick Skyhawk. It went, from, it went from cold to hot, just like that. And the car didn't even have air conditioning. Can you imagine driving out west these days with no air conditioning in your car? We did it. And uh, she knows that every few miles, I had to stop at those altitudes. I had to stop at a mountain stream and fill up the radiator from boiling over to keep that car going. We made it to California doing that, with pastor stopping at mountain streams and filling up the radiator. We have our mountain experiences. There's a mountain I want to take you to this morning in our series, Let's Go Mountain Moving, as you can see on the side walls here this morning. When Jesus spoke of mountains, Jesus spoke of mountains as obstacles, as hindrances. Yes, I hope you have your car windows closed. Some of you are not looking at me. You are not looking at your Bibles. You're looking all around. That's called rain. That's water that comes from the sky. Okay, you have a roof over your head, you're okay. Let's stay focused, okay? Real good, amen. The mountain I want to take you to this morning is a mountain that's an obstacle. It's a hindrance to us. It's a challenge of faith that God calls us to. This mountain is called Mount Moriah. The man we're going to look at this morning is Abraham. I want you to go there. I want you to go to Mount Moriah. Will Abraham be a mountain mover? Will you and I? This morning, I want to take you to Sold Out Mountain. Sold Out Mountain. The Bible records, if you want to follow along with me, how God blessed Abraham with incredible favor, incredible prosperity, incredible blessings. Read with me in Genesis chapter 12. Hear the word of the Lord. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God is pronouncing powerful blessings upon Abraham here. God promised to make Abraham one man into a great nation, into a mighty kingdom, if he would leave his country. Abraham left all that was familiar. Abraham left his comfort zone. Abraham left his gods to serve the one true God. He obeyed Jehovah. Abraham left his country, and God gave him a nation. God gave him a kingdom. In like manner, God has said to you and I, if we'll turn our back upon the devil, sin, and his world, if we will leave the world, God will give us an eternal kingdom. God will give us an unshakable kingdom. Aren't you glad that you're part of an unshakable kingdom? Nero tried to conquer the church. Nero is dead, and the church is alive. Voltaire, Voltaire said, 
50 years after my death, Voltaire, that French philosopher, atheist, 50 years after my death, the Bible will be obsolete. What took 12 apostles to build, I will destroy in my lifetime. 50 years after Voltaire's death, his house was turned into a Bible publishing company for the glory of God. Hallelujah. Man's efforts against the church are dead. Jesus is alive, and so is his church. Nitsky. Nitsky was the first philosopher to popularize. In fact, Time magazine had it as a, its cover, its title, God is dead. Newsflash. Nitsky is dead, and my God is alive. How about yours? Glory to God. Many of you are old enough to remember Khrushchev. Khrushchev, that communist dictator who took his shoe off in the United Nations building and beat it upon the table in the United Nations Assembly. And Khrushchev said, by 1965, I will parade before all world television the very last Russian Christian. I don't know about you, but when I saw the Iron Curtain fall down, I sat back and watched Billy Graham preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in Moscow, Russian, as thousands were running to the altar and being saved. And even today, hallelujah, there is a sweeping revival going on in Russia. Your pastor, I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in their public schools. And I gave altar calls. Hallelujah. They have more freedoms for the gospel in Russia today than we do here in the United States of America because we serve a God who has given us an unshakable kingdom. Many have tried it, like Madeline Murray O'Hare. Madeline Murray O'Hare, who orchestrated prayer being taken out of the public school. That atheist, Madeline Murray O'Hare, who said, God is dead. And, and, and that Christianity should not be a part of public life. Well, guess what? You touch God's church. You touch God's people. You touch the things of God. Look out. God told Abraham, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. How did Madeline Murray end up? She was murdered. She had embezzled funds from her atheist movement. Jesus is alive. The church is alive. For my Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We're a part of an unshakable kingdom. God promised to make Abraham's name great. God promises to bless those who bless him and curse those who cursed Abraham. I just received from a relative this week an email. Our family relative has done extensive Ancestry.com, family tree, family heritage research. Lena and Tony, guess what about your pastor? <laughs> they have discovered I'm related to the Romanovs. <laughs> they, they know, but you, yeah, I've discovered I'm Russian. <laughs> I'm related to royalty. And they also discovered that there's a lot of Jewish blood in the family, too, Jewish blood. So I'm not only a royalty, I'm also related to Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. 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 So what, Pastor? So what? Listen, there's something far greater than blood nationality, something greater than being related to the Romanovs. When you become a Christian, when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, we enter into covenant blessing with Jesus. Think of it. We even take his name. When you become a believer, you take the name of Christ, Christian. We take his name, hallelujah, and we bear it, hallelujah, with pride because the royal blood of heaven flows through our veins. We are no longer children of the world. We're children of God. We're king's kids. We're, we are children of the Most High, and because Jesus reversed the curse at the cross, there is now no more curse upon us but only blessing. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen? 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God blessed Abraham with blessings like health and wealth. Write it down. It's right there in Genesis 12. When God heaped blessings and favor and prosperity upon Abraham, he granted him health and wealth. God heaped such financial blessings upon Abraham, he'd be the envy of Bill Gates, any Texas tycoon. God blessed Abraham and Sarah with such health. My Bible and your Bible says that Sarah, at age 90, was a knockout. She was drop-dead gorgeous. It's right there in your Bible. She was so gorgeous that Abraham had to lie about her and say, oh, she's my sister, because he was afraid they would kill him because she was his wife. Pastor, I wish I could have Abraham's blessings. How can, I, how can I get on that deal? Read your Bible, Galatians 3.29. If you belong to Christ, how many belong to Christ here this morning? If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. My Bible and your Bible says all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. One person has been able to enumerate 3,000 promises in the Bible. Another one came up with 7,000. All I know, there are thousands and thousands of blessings directed to you and I as Christ followers for the glory of God. The Bible reveals it's God's desire to prosper his own. Deuteronomy 8.18, remember the Lord your God. It is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Psalms 1.1, blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Whatever they do, what? Prospers. Proverbs 8.21, that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Third John chapter 2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Well, Pastor, that might happen to other people, but that doesn't happen uh, to me. I mean, how, how can I believe? How can you believe what the Bible says about your salvation? How can you believe about Jesus paying the price for your sins? How can you believe in the Bible that you're going to heaven? If you cannot believe these promises, then you can't believe the other promises of God within God's Word. Maybe it's your faith. Maybe it's your belief. And mixing faith with works, that's disconnecting and short-circuiting what God wants to do in your life. But it doesn't end with wealth. God goes on to our health as well, from cover to cover in the Bible. Exodus 15, 26, For I am the Lord who heals you. Deuteronomy 32, 20, 39, There is no God besides me, saith the Lord. I wound and I heal. 2 Kings chapter 20, Thus says the Lord, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. Psalms 30, verse 2, Oh, Lord, my God, I cried out to you, and you healed me. How about Psalms 103, 2? Bless the Lord, O oh, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. What are his benefits? He forgives us all of our sins, and he also heals all our what? Diseases. James 5, 14. Is anyone among you who is sick? The prayer of faith, hallelujah, uh, will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. Isaiah 53, 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Uh, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. We are healed. I could share a lot of stories about healing and miracles with you this morning. One of my favorite was when my grandpa, my grandpa Chris, who had pastored for 50 years, was hospitalized. And the whole family circle, the Christ family circle was notified, this is it. Say your goodbyes. Grandpa, great-grandpa, dad, 
is going to meet his maker. In fact, my grandpa, when he was there in the hospital, had a vision. We heard this later. Now, I don't know if the angels watched the Looney Tunes, Bugs Bunny, but in my grandpa's vision, he saw demons attacking his body, and they all looked, he said, they all looked like the Tasmanian devil in the Bugs Bunny cartoons. <laughs> this is what he said. And they had swords and spears, and they were, they were poking and prodding and attacking his physical health, his physical body. And then he said, all of a sudden, he saw this giant red heart appear on the screen of his imagination in his vision, and he heard a booming, thundering voice in his vision, I am the Lord thy God, thy creator, and this body, this vessel, has been fashioned for my glory, and the enemy has no authority in this place. Grandpa woke up from his coma Grandpa woke up from this vision. He disconnected himself from all the life support. He put on his clothes. We got the phone call that Grandpa was missing from the hospital. People ran over to the house, and he was out there mowing his lawn for the glory of God. My God is a healer. My God desires to bless you. My God desires to give you the victory. He'll always give you the victory. But I know so-and-so who died of such-and-such, and and they were a Christian. They They received a perfect healing. They're in heaven today, and they're more alive than you and I. That's right. From God's perspective, from God's perspective, an eternal perspective, he always moves the mountains and he always moves his people into victory. God even promised to give Abraham and Sarah a son in their old age. And they were 75 plus. You still want to receive their blessings? Being childless, being childless in that day and age was the worst stigma that anyone could have. It was the worst shame anyone could have having no children in that day and age. Yet year after year, even after God had given the promise, because the only way that Abraham would become a great nation would be through his son. The only way that his descendants would become more numerous than the sand upon the seashore would be through his son. And God had promised all those things. Yet year after year, they would go to a baby shower, and there all the other kids would be celebrated, and Sarah would sit there crying, weeping. The men would pull out their wallets or their smartphones and show pictures of their kids Not with Abraham. Day after day, Sarah went to the part of the tent that she had decorated years past as a nursery, and it was all gathering dust, a crib gathering dust. Year after year, the promise had been delayed. Let me just go on a bunny trail real quick here. Christian, God's delays are not God's denials. God's delays are not God's denials. With the Lakeside Phase 4 vision, I hadn't planned on saying this at all. I got all busted up in August of 2015. It was the most depressing time when we couldn't launch and build because it ran over budget. We didn't waste a penny. We put the brakes on. I got all busted up, but what has happened since then? Since then, we've been presented with an offer from our lender to go from 4.75% locked in for five years, and then it would start escalating. We've got a new lender that's approached us with a commercial loan at 3.5%. 
1.8% interest, not locked for five years, but locked fixed for 10 years. God's delays are not God's denials. God knows what he's doing. God is in charge, amen. Sometimes we don't see around the corner. We don't see the future. And in the meantime, as, as Mike Bluss shared, we've been able to accumulate more cash, and the vision has become greater, and we can do greater things for God. Sometimes there's a reason why we need to wait upon the Lord, and he will renew our strength. Abraham and Sarah remained childless. They remained barren. But God reminded Abraham there would still be a, a, a promised son. So one day, Sarah, she hatched a plan. She came up to Abraham. She thought that she would help God out. She thought that she would be able to help the miracle, engineer a miracle. And she came to Abraham, her hubby, and said, Hubby, you see my young servant girl? You see my young filly, pretty Hagar? Why don't you go to bed with her tonight? Why don't you have a child through her, and her child will become my child, and we'll have the promised son. The Bible says that Abraham heeded the instruction of his wife. It was the quickest follow-through of any husband we find in the Bible. The result was Ishmael. The result is the crisis in the Middle East today. Wait upon the promise. God's delays are not God's denials. Yet, even though Abraham and Sarah uh, had failed, their faith continued to take hold of the promises of God. And faith without works is... So they kept mixing their faith and their works together because one night, you've heard me share it so many times, one night Abraham came home to his 100 or 90-year-old wife, 100-year-old Abraham came home to his wife and said, Honey, turn off the television. I've just been to a Wednesday night prayer meeting and God has told us again, we're going to have a baby. And that night, God cranked uh, Abraham's twice-dead battery and sparks flew from Dan to Beersheba in the promised land, hallelujah, and from a womb of Sarah's that was twice dead, God blessed them with Isaac, whose name means what? Son of laughter. Don't tell me God doesn't have humor. Hallelujah, he's a God of blessing. Well, age 100, Abraham becomes a father. And the Bible says that Abraham and Sarah, as God looks back, were remembered for their faith and not their faults. That gives me hope. It should give you hope as well. But in the midst of all the incredible blessings, write it down, that God heaped upon Abraham, God challenged Abraham with a mountain, Mount Moriah. This challenge, this mountain, would be a mountain of total commitment. That's why I call it sold out mountain. I call it sold out mountain. Genesis 22 verse 1, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am. Abraham replied. God said, take your son your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Can you imagine how Abraham's heart was broken over the thought of sacrificing his son? Why was God doing this? With great promises, with great blessings, comes great challenges to our faith. Was Abraham willing to surrender everything in his life, even his son Isaac, and put God first? Was Abraham completely sold out 100% to God? Can you imagine what it must have been like 
for Abraham to climb Mount Moriah with his son Isaac? Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering upon Isaac's shoulders while Abraham himself carried the knife, the flint, for the fire. Isaac, the Bible says, asked his father, Father, uh, we have the wood, we, we have the flint for the fire, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said to his son, God will see to it, son. God will provide. On top of the mountain, Abraham built the altar. Abraham built the altar of sacrifice. He tied up his only son, the promised son, Isaac. He laid him upon the altar. And as Abraham was about to plunge the knife into his son, Isaac, an angel of God called out of heaven, Stop! Abraham, stop! Abraham looked up, yes, Lord. Lay down the knife. Don't hurt your son in any way. I know now that God uh, is first in your life and that you have not withheld even your only son from me. And then Abraham looked up, and in the vegetation, in the thicket, a ram had been caught by its horns. He took the ram, he sacrificed it upon the altar, and from, now, from then on, Abraham called that place Jehovah-Jireh. God provides. Jehovah-Jireh. God who provides. Do you know him as Jehovah-Jireh? How many know your Lord as Jehovah-Jireh? The one who provides. How could Abraham be so sold out to God? How could Abraham be so dedicated, so totally committed? Hebrews chapter 11 answers that question. Hebrews chapter 11, say it with me. By what? Faith. We don't need wishy-washy faith today. As never before, when you don't know what bathroom to go into anymore, as never before, we need a rock-solid, committed, consecrated, dedicated, sold-out, and radical faith where we stand up and say, I will not, I shall not, I cannot recant. Here I stand. I'm a Christ follower. That was Abraham. That was Sarah by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned. Abraham had such great faith. Abraham reasoned that God would even raise the dead and so in a matter of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Do you see that there? Write it down with me. Does God know he's first in your life? Are you totally dedicated? Are you totally sold out to him? Or does sold out mountain remain unmovable in your life? Sometimes circumstances hinder us. Sometimes it's our own flesh, our own selfishness that challenges us, hinders us. Romans 12 verse 1, Paul said, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a what? Are you a living sacrifice? The problem in the church today, living sacrifices keep crawling off of God's altar. They're not totally sold out. God allows sold-out mountains to test our love for him. Do we possess his blessings, or do the blessings possess us? Remember what God told Abraham? Look again at the promises. I will bless you. Now, we like that part. Oh, God, I can receive and believe that. I will bless you. Hallelujah. I can always get an amen from the church when I preach that. 
God said to Abraham, I will bless you. I will make your name great. What's the, 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 the next part? You will be a what? Blessing. Honey, sir, ma'am, young person, we're blessed by God to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. God doesn't bless us to feed our greeds. God blesses us to be a blessing. Take tithing and giving. Do I hear an amen? You are a great congregation. Take tithing and giving, for example. Pastors can't pastor. Churches can't be built. Missionaries can't be sent without financial blessing, without financial prosperity. Winning the lost is God's top priority. If you will invest in winning the lost for the kingdom of God, God will give you an abundance you cannot even contain. We're blessed to be a blessing. The heart of God is giving blessing. God is a giver. The Bible says in John 3.16, the most familiar verse, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I want you to remember that for the close of the message. If you want God's greater favor in your life, if you want greater blessing, if you want greater health and wealth, quit trying to figure out what people can do for you and start figuring out what you can do for others. If you want God to bless your life, start being a blessing. Be other-centered instead of self-centered. We open the doorway to the miraculous. We foster a miracle mentality. We open up the window for the supernatural in our lives when we meet the needs of others because this touches the heart of God. The Bible says in Isaiah, when you feed the hungry, when you clothe the naked, when you encourage the oppressed, then your life is going to break forth like the dawn. Then your healing is going to quickly come. We read it. We memorize it. We study it. But we aren't doing it. And then we wonder why. Pastor, why haven't I received my miracle? The reason many people are not growing is because they're not sowing. Would you write that down? Galatians 6, 7, whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. What if a, you caught a farmer in his field and he's just standing there month after month not doing a thing and we come up to him and say, hey, bud, <laughs> what are you doing just standing there? Well, I'm hoping the harvest will come in. I'm hoping the harvest will come in. I've got faith that the harvest is going to come. Faith without works is. We'd say, sir, you got to stop hoping <laughs> and you got to start planting. Because the Bible says whatever a man sows, he will also reap. That's God's divine principle. We reap what we sow. Do you want to reap blessings? Then sow good seed. If you want to reap happiness, sow some happiness seed by making other people happy. Wake up every morning and say, who can I encourage today? Who can I bless today? This is going to be a day of miracles because I'm going to go out looking for people that I can touch in the name of Jesus and bless with the Father's love. If you want to reap financial blessings, sow financial seed into God's work. Are you lonely? Do you need friendships? You can give a smile. You can give a, a, a hurting person a hug. Uh, if, if you feel like you've got nothing to give, then, then uh, bring somebody some groceries. Mow somebody's lawn. Uh, 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 bring a meal to a shut-in. Visit somebody in the hospital. Come to Pastor Hal. He'll give you a whole list of people you can touch in the name of Jesus. Uh, watch the children of a young mother in the church uh, about ready to lose her mind if she doesn't get some kind of break. There's something you can do to lift the load of someone else. The Bible says in Proverbs 11, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Somebody, somebody needs what you have to share. 
Somebody needs your smile. Somebody needs your love. Somebody needs your care, your encouragement. If you want blessings, be a blessing. Don't go through life as a taker, but become a giver. Get up each morning and say, I want to make somebody else happy. I'm going to help meet somebody else's need. I'm going to sow some seed in the name of Jesus. I've been blessed to be a blessing. Sold out mountain also speaks prophetically to us of another father who climbed Mount Moriah. And for this father, there was no sacrificial substitute. Rather than me telling it, I want you to see it this morning. Anytime pastor uses technology, pray that the music starts. Oh, this must be the hardest hill I've ever climbed. For I must sacrifice you promised son of mine. And so I go to worship with you by my side And trust a sacrifice He will provide And though I cherish you I must now offer you To Him who God the Father sacrificed his 
His only Son. The one that He most cherished gave His life away. And by His love He made a better way. And so for enjoying and experiencing that. I could have told the story in more detail, but I thought at the last moment, late last night, it would be so much better to share it in song and to share it visually. We appreciate Joe Boya as Jesus and Pastor Ryan as Abraham and little Logan Hakes as Isaac. Yes. The Christian life, the true Christian life as our keyboardist comes, the true Christian life is a series of Mount Moriahs where the Lord wants to test your heart. The Lord wants to test your commitment. Today's church preaches a lot about blessings, but not a lot about blessed to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. Are you ready to sell out? Are you ready to be radical for God? Are you ready for total dedication, total consecration? Whatever God would ask, are you willing to lay it down on His altar? God will never ask you to do what He Himself has not already exemplified. I came across I came across a true account not long ago of a church very much like this where the the young pastor came up and said I have a dear dear friend from my childhood that is here this morning that I want I want him to give you greetings a stooped elderly man came up to the pulpit area, gave his name, and said, I've been asked to give you a story, a story from my background, a story from my life. I had taken my son, my only son, and his best friend out sailing I'm, a, I'm an accomplished sailor. But that day out upon the ocean, the seas became unusually rough. A storm suddenly hit. The boat was capsized. It threw my son and it threw his friend. 
out of the boat, even though we were all strong swimmers. All hands were about ready to go down. I had the rope. I had the rope that was attached to the capsized boat. And in that second of choosing which boy to throw that lifeline to, I immediately thought, my son is born again. My son has been washed in the precious blood of the Lamb. My son is on his way to heaven, but his friend is not. And I threw the lifeline to his friend and pulled his friend into safety. And when I went to throw out the lifeline to my son, he had already disappeared beneath the dark waters. His body was never recovered. That elderly gentleman addressed that congregation and said, I know that I know that I know my son is alive and well in heaven. His salvation is secure. And now I know but the heart of God must have suffered in sacrificing and giving His only Son upon the cross of Calvary. Thank you. And he went and sat down. Two young teenage boys came up after the service and said, Sir, to the elderly gentleman, you know, that was a pretty good story, but it didn't sound really realistic. What kind of a father would let his only son die? The elderly man bowed his head and said, I can see what you're trying to say. And all I can say is that it gave me fresh revelation into the heart of Father God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And by the way, young sirs, your pastor up there, he was my son's friend that I saved that day. The one who preaches the gospel to you every Sunday. He was the boy that was saved and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Nothing is done amiss when it's done for God. How about it? Christian, are you sold out to him? Or today, right now, isn't it time for you to say yes to Jesus? Bow your heads with me this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we speak, oh God, your blessing upon each and every one. And Lord, the most pivotal decision of all time and eternity is saying yes to Jesus, opening the door of our heart and letting Jesus become our Savior, become our Lord. Dear Jesus, knock upon heart's doors even right now. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You've come into this service this morning. You've heard the message. You've heard the songs. But yet, you're not absolutely sure, you're not absolutely certain that you're right with God on your way to heaven. Right now, at this moment, this is your opportunity to say yes to Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer. It's called a prayer of salvation. If you would like to be included in this prayer that will make you right with God and give you a home in heaven, all I ask 
is as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you would like to be included in a prayer that will make Jesus your Savior and give you a home in heaven, just lift up your hand right now. Lift up your hand right now. God bless you. 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 How many more? God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. Keep those hands lifted up. And I'm not only going to pray this prayer, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to own this prayer. Put your heart into it. Make this prayer your prayer. In fact, everyone pray this prayer out loud, especially those that have their hands lifted up. Are you ready? Dear Jesus, I come to you right now. And I understand that there is no greater love than when a life is laid down for a friend. You did that for me, Father God. You gave your best. You gave your only son, Jesus. And I confess, I'm a sinner, but he's my Savior. I believe he took my place. He's my substitute. He died for me. He paid the price for my sins. And I believe he rose from the dead with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus. A new life, a changed life. Thank you, Lord, for hearing me, for changing me. I thank you for a home in heaven. I thank you, Jesus, that I am saved. I receive it as I believe it. And everyone would say, Amen.